the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yeah, it's a simple question, one we are asking today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner says, where is wisdom to be found? The answer can be found in Job chapter 28. Join us. Abounding Grace is next. ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. This is Abounding Grace. Greetings and welcome to our program. We continue our survey of the book of Job today. We find ourselves in chapter 28 with the question, where is wisdom to be found? And the answer that lies before us, let's catch up with our teacher and pastor, uh, Pastor Gary Wagner, for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Wisdom is to be found only in the God who knows all things, controls all things, and has power over all. And how do we get that wisdom? We have to be humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves. You see, that's the issue. That is why this 1 Corinthians passage, verse 23, we read, We preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block unto Greeks' foolishness. It is no less a stumbling block today. It is no less foolishness to most men today. But wait a minute. Do you mean I can't understand life and have wisdom unless I build my life on Jesus Christ? You've got to be kidding me. I mean, we transplant vital organs. We put a man on the moon. People carry more technology in their pocket than the first man on the moon carried with him on the rocket ship. Come on. Doesn't that count for something? Listen, if we don't lay Christ as the foundation of wisdom and knowledge, the Lord in His common grace will will let us become very smart worldly and let us accomplish a great deal. But our progress will make us more and more barbarian. Lose ourselves. Lose the sense of our purpose in life. Do you think most men today as smart and intelligent and as exceptional as many Americans are understand the basic purpose of life? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever? Why not? At one point, most of the people in America did. It's because we stopped laying Christ as the foundation of wisdom and knowledge. We became embarrassed about the gospel. Oh, it's fine for Sunday school It's fine for your worship, but I don't want to say anything about Jesus at the university. I don't want to say anything about him in the science lab. I don't want to say anything about him on national television when we're debating political issues because it's religious. I'm here to tell you that the only question that matters is a religious question. Will you build on Christ or will you build on man? That is the only important question. Humanism, building on man, is religion too. 
And if you build on man, you can delve to the deepest places of the earth and pull up the gold and silver by the armloads or oil or sapphire or whatever it is you like. But it won't make you any wiser. It won't make our lives any better. Because God has bound up all wisdom with His Son. So that's why we have to tell men the gospel. You've often heard it said, well, you know, we complain all we want to about how things are, but what are we going to do about it? Well, here's one thing we can do. Take seriously that God in giving us Jesus has given us the foundation of wisdom. We know the cure, don't we? It's amazing. Everyone in here, no matter whether you have been in college or not, or how smart you are, or what your score was on the SAT, every single believer here today could stand up on national television and give a very simple answer. Well, you might have to study a little bit, but you could give a very simple, cogent, here is what we need to do to save America. Every one of you could. But first of all, we need to repent. Second, we need to get back to God's word. Third, we need to make sure that all of our national institutions and places of businesses are dedicated to Christ. And then, and only then, will he bless us. But we'd get embarrassed over the gospel. Since not so many of us are likely to have a microphone shoved into our face to give that message on television, we've got to tell our neighbors, people we rub shoulders with, Listen, the wisdom that you need to deal with your children is not found on secular websites. It's found in Christ and his word. So you've got to humble yourself and deny yourself and come to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified for us and who is our wisdom and our strength. That is why Job closes the chapter with a proverb-sounding verse And unto man, he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And depart from evil is understanding. You know, that is the most common biblical description of piety. 450 times, roughly, it occurs in the Bible in one form or another, fear the Lord. It occurs more than even loving the Lord. But, of course, fearing the Lord includes loving the Lord because to fear the Lord is to stand in awe of him and to adore him. That means we are to train our minds. Men and women are to have good and solid instruction in a variety of subjects. Why? Because God reveals his glory in every one of them. And if we're going to fear him, we have to be impressed with his majesty and then... We will love him. We won't think, hey, the latest celebrity that walked around with barely any clothes or had a wardrobe malfunction, you know, that's just the way life is. That celebrity is going to speak to the world, and I really need to listen. No. We'll realize that is just stupidity talking. That is just talking. What really counts is my walk. How does a man who fears the Lord walk every day? Let me weigh it out for you on a daily basis. 
he gets up in the morning and he says, Father, thank you for giving me a good night's rest. You're the one who gives your beloved to sleep. Thank you. I worship you this morning because you are my great and merciful God. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for going before me today. I want to read your word today so I can learn more about you and worship you in a more caring and loving way. Then I sit down to breakfast. I thank him for my daily bread. And it's just not God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food. It's thank you, Lord, for feeding me. I don't deserve for you to feed me because I live at your cost. Thank you. Then I go to work, and whether it's mundane or exciting on that particular day, Lord, I want to do my work honestly as unto you because Jesus loves me, and he gave himself up for me. Then I finish my day at work, and I come home, and I'm with my family, and I love my wife whom I had laid my life down for. Why? Because she deserves it? No, she may be nagging the dickens out of me. But Jesus Christ died for me, and he's my master, and not too many years from now I'm going to stand before him. So I want to love my wife as he has called me to do. And ladies, you're going to submit to your husband. And is it because he deserves it? No, he could possibly be a bum. But you'll do it because you are doing it unto the Lord. If I'm a child, I can't wake up in the morning and say, Okay, what did my friends have to say? Let me start texting them right away. Oh my goodness. There is so much wisdom to be found there, isn't there? Of course not. Sorry, young people, there is no wisdom to be found there, at least not usually. Instead, young people, what did Solomon say? Remember your creator in the days of your youth because you need wisdom. And where is wisdom to be found? In the Lord. And then we close the day with whatever God has brought to us, good or bad, we praise him. If we go through some trouble, say, Lord, give me strength to withstand. If it's a good day, we bless him for his mercy to us. And as we go to sleep, we say, lay me down in peace. For you, Lord, only makes me dwell in safety. Fear the Lord. Live before his faith. That is wisdom. You've got to be kidding me. How am I going to be happy with that? Well, let me tell you a secret. God, when he made Adam, and then when he formed each one of us in our mother's womb, it is like he implanted a homing chip in us so that we naturally think his thoughts after him at some level. So run to him. Note that he exists. Feel guilty when you are alienated from him and are not happy unless you are at peace with him. This is how he has made us. As Augustine said, you have made us for yourselves, O God. And you see, this is an area where we have listened to the scientists who aren't very wise and have said, no, 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 the dust, the monkeys, the single cell organisms, the natural selection, the tens of billions of years, that's the truth. And so we need to say, really? 
That's not wisdom. That is just stupidity. You need to stand strong, beloved. God says, I have made you for myself. Think of this. God makes you happy when you are in fellowship with him, when you love him and adore him. And when you fall, he has made provisions in Jesus Christ for forgiveness and cleansing. And that makes us love him more because of his mercy and his kindness to us. And then, depart from evil is understanding, but not in our day. Satan has deceived so many. To them, there's no such thing as sin, only personal choice. There are no bad men. There are only bad circumstances in which you just did the best you could. But God made us for himself. And yet we have sought out many devices, says Ecclesiastes 7. We rebelled against the Lord, but when Jesus saves us, he teaches us it is not wise to dabble with sin. It is foolishness, and the thought of foolishness is sin. And my attitude is priceless. If my attitude is prideful, it is foolishness. I need to depart from that. If I'm thinking about myself all the time, I need to depart from that. No wonder we're sad. Thinking about my problems all the time. No wonder I'm sad. I need to depart from evil, from everything that offends the Lord. Because only then, only then will I be happy. I know this sounds crazy. Because for most of us, it's if I get what I want, then I can be happy. That would only be true if we didn't live in God's world. But we do live in God's world, which is why men who get what they think they wanted are no happier, and it often destroys them because we do live in God's world. And if we are going to be happy, we need his wisdom, and we need to depart from that which displeases him. But don't take anything in this chapter as indicating, well, I don't need to search out the wonders of the universe. That is not true. Can you imagine those of you who might enjoy the searching of the stars? If Nassau became dedicated to Christ and to glorify God, now that would be worthwhile. Oh, it is God who names the stars. Man named the animals. God has reserved the heavens for himself and earth for us. But one can understand we want to see the glory of God in the heavens. Or if we are digging up the ocean floors and getting oil. And our thoughts are, man, we're going to have more money to give to the poor and we're going to cut down on our national debt. All this oil we are bringing up will be for the glory of God. Can you imagine how much oil God would then give us? But that's not normally what we think of, is it? We fight wars for oil. Most of the wars over the past 50 years have been fought over oil and over territories that were thought to have oil. But don't think that even with all of that, we shouldn't be diligent. We need to be. We need to remember, and this will be hard for us, we live in this kind of environment. Men, most of you have numbers that you have to meet to keep your job. There are objective standards of measurement because everything has to be measured or we don't know if it's good or 
not or whether it's worthwhile or not or if we should pay for it or not. And if you don't hit your numbers, there are bad implications. What does that teach us to think? There should be quantifiable change and improvement or something is not worthwhile in everything, not just my job. But some things don't have that. Our marriages, our parent-child relationships, our walk with the Lord. The Lord doesn't say, you didn't hit your numbers this month. You didn't confess enough of your sins this month. I had a fixed number and you were way down. You told me you were going to do it 50 times, but you've only done it 37. And that is just one example where we, all as Christians today, live in this vortex where most men think wisdom looks like this. Prosperity, quantifiable measurements of success, technology, advancement. And so it doesn't fit in that category. It is not worth thinking about. So at some level, we're going to pursue the wisdom of God's word and really follow after Jesus and deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. We've got to have to come to a Jesus moment, don't we? About wisdom and say, maybe I have been evaluating. Maybe in my parent-child relations, I've been listening to people who are blind. Or maybe my relationship with my wife or my finances and what my expectations may be. I should not be listening to people who do not have wisdom, who do not fear the Lord. Well, they told me my checkbook should look like this. My children should look like this. Or our sex life should look like this. Or our job success quotient should look like this. But whatever it may be. We need to remember wisdom is not to be found in man. It is to be found in the Lord and in his word. So here again, verse 28, behold the fear of the Lord to reverence him, to love him, to adore him, to dread offending him. That, beloved, is wisdom. To depart from evil is understanding. I know we've got to somehow, by God's grace, change what I think is important. I know we live in this culture and... We're not going to escape it. And I'm not trying to, but at the same time, what our culture says is not good and wise and personally fulfilling. And if you adopt that for your own philosophy, it is going to have great negative implications for your wife, life. <coughs> so what are we going to have to do to, to survive? Overcome. And that's to use Jesus' word to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Number one. Love Jesus and remember, we are soon to stand before him. So we want to please him in every area of our life. Number two, we have got to be in the word and meditating on the word because that is where God's wisdom is found, spelled out for all of us. This is where understanding is that leads to wisdom. And three, we have to pull back a little bit. And Jesus taught, and with this I'll close, a parable of the sowers or of the soils. There is a very interesting line in there. Now, we've got to be very careful with parables and that we don't try to divide things into these nice little boxes, you know, like men like to do with so much of our culture. So Jesus tells this parable of the seed, and I wonder if this hasn't been true even in my life. Jesus said the sower threw some seed out and it fell on thorny ground and it did spring up. 
but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choked out the world, choked it out. It couldn't live, so it died. Obviously, person there is not a believer, but I think there's also a warning there for us, and that is if we want to grow and thrive in wisdom, we've got to be self-conscious about the influences in our life, about the way we are thinking, about even where we get our information from. Because remember, all information is today is entertainment. And it has been vetted through a grid of a particular liberal world view. We have to be careful because God's word is so precious. Wisdom is so precious. It's worth more than all the treasures of the world, Scripture tells us. And that if we mishandle it, if we can hear the best sermon in the world, we can have the most glorious Bible reading, we can read the most edifying devotional and just feel like we are on cloud nine and then we waste too much time watching television and we think our own thoughts and we wonder, why did the Word lose its grip on me? Why am I not praying more? Why am I not speaking of Jesus more? <coughs> because of the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches will choke out the word. Even if we know the Lord, it will happen in our own hearts. So do be careful, beloved. Don't be naive about this. The Lord Jesus knew that... Lord, Love Jesus. Know that we are soon going to stand before him. Stay in his word. Stay in his word. Psalm 119, 130 says, The entrance of your words gives light and understanding to the simple. And three, guard the influences. Young people, guard the influences. Parents, be careful that you don't let your children develop, for example, views of romance from Disney movies. Be careful about giving cell phones to young people with all the access to a bunch of information they definitely don't need, which would be most of it, and can do a lot of harm to your young ones. Be careful. And it's not because we don't believe in technology. Technology is a great thing and it can be used to glorify God, but only by people who are devoted to glorifying God. And if not, it becomes a very dangerous tool that feeds man's two basic lies that they all believe. Every single unbeliever believes these two lies. God doesn't know everything and I can make it on my own. I was Satan's two lies at the very beginning. Come on. Has God really said? No. There are other options here, Adam and Eve. Don't listen to one stream of information. Bring in some others. So we have to be careful. We live in God's world. And our souls are precious. And the gospel is precious. And we don't want to choke them out. So I want to encourage you today... For example, let's not go home and watch movies. And I'm not accusing anyone. It's just an illustration here. 
Because what did we learn today? Do I hold God's word precious? Am I looking to him for my only wisdom? Talk to your children regularly about these things because we all live in an environment of sin that drastically needs God's wisdom. And it's not going to be easy. We can't just say, oh, the fear of the Lord is wisdom and depart from evil is understanding. Great, be warm and be filled. No, we are going to have to work. Did Jesus say, if anyone will come after me, get ready for a vacation? No. He said, let him take up his cross. Let him deny himself and come after me. Why? Because I am joy. I am life. I am the living water. I will refresh your soul. Everything you want is in me. I am the loving one. I am the Savior. I love you. And I will help. But there is sin you've got to deal with. So you are going to have to deny yourself too in my strength. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Amen.